because I do like control so much, if I would have purchased my first duplex, just knowing myself, I'm sure that I would have been at that property, not once a day, but probably three or four times a day, checking every single thing all the time. And I would have focused on the property. Being such a long distance investor, what that has made me do is focus on the process. And at the end of the day, what my residents care about, what our residents care about is, first of all, have we prevented things from happening? And when it happens, are the processes in place to actually get it done efficiently? And if I would have been focused on the property, I don't necessarily know if I personally would have been focused on the process. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. What's the real power of leverage? People think real estate is all about leveraging capital. Money is important, but what about the decisions we make? The things we do and don't do determine our success as investors. Choices and actions create success. Before we get to the bank, we make choices guided by mindset and by the things we do and don't know. If we want to succeed as investors, we need to leverage knowledge. We need to increase what we know so our actions pay bigger dividends. Join host Terry Schauer and Jean-Philippe Claude for conversations with leading experts in the real estate field. From mortgages to mindset, and from macroeconomics to local market trends, grow your knowledge capital with us. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast, where we seek advice to help us make better investing decisions. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We have with us today, Billy Keels, who is the founder of First Gen Capital Partners. And Billy does something very interesting. He lives in Europe and invests uh, essentially in real estate in the US. So we're going to just get into that a little bit. And uh, Billy, by way of introduction, you want to just tell us like how you started out and how you went from your corporate reality to working full-time in real estate? Yes, I would love to do that. And Terry, it's great to be here and share the stage with you and Axel. And I'm really looking forward to another wonderful conversation. Uh, and I guess I would also say, because as just as a fellow podcaster, before I even talk about my story, I know that the two of you do this out of a labor of love and you're doing this and you want to continue to make impact. So if people haven't already done that, they should maybe take just a second and leave you an honest written review as well as a rating, because that will also help more people to get exposed to your podcast. So just with that kind of as a background, I can tell you about myself just really quickly. And as, as someone Someone who's originally from Ohio, as you mentioned, I've had a chance to see a lot of things and do a lot of things that I never, ever imagined. I kind of thought I would stay in the Midwest in the United States and get a job at a big multinational company and probably stay there for most of my life. But I had things change and I had an opportunity to, to go around the world. I've worked and traveled throughout some 86 different countries. And as a part of doing that, also learned a number of different languages. I have worked at big, large multinational companies. And one of the things that I really, really enjoy is being able to understand kind of what's happening at a local area, local destination, because that's where you create lots of the wonderful relationships uh, that happen in life. Yeah. And with that as a background, like I mentioned to you before, yes, I was working at a multinational for probably like 26 years or something like that and just retired in December. Wow. And one of the main, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, December 21. And so depending on when people are listening to this, it's been uh, a couple of months. I still kind of check my phone and see if I've got a million emails coming in or if I've got to jump on a new call. And life is very, very different when you're not in the multinational. But it has been one of the things that has really helped me to be able to make that choice or make that change was the fact that I was investing in real estate. And I thought about doing that in the local market where I am, but the location where I am, and I didn't have enough education at the time either. That was kind of the challenge. I was looking for cash flow 
And based on the limited education that I had, the very limited network that I had, I didn't understand that the location that I was living in, which is Barcelona, Spain, it's not really a cash flow market. So what I was looking to get out of real estate and the objectives that I personally had for myself, there was a, a misalignment. And like I said, I didn't have the education and I didn't definitely didn't have the network because there are people that are here that are able to do that. But I lacked those two very important elements. And I realized how important it is to be successful. You've got to definitely be educated and, and having a strong team are one of the most important things to get the benefits that you're looking for. So hopefully that answers the question without going on too much. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, making that transition, like what was going on in your head? Like what gave you the confidence to finally say, okay, I'm going to quit at 26 year. Like that's a really long career. I wish I could tell you like it was a really, really awesome story. But the, the thing that happened is as a corporate exec who was really high paid in a very demanding job, it was a job that I enjoyed. And so I probably would have stayed there for a really, really long time. But the reality was the latter part of last year, my dad, he had some difficult health problems. It really took me going to see him in the ICU in this particular situation and thinking to myself, wow, do I really want to just keep doing what I'm doing? Because life is pretty finite. I mean, and I, I knew that I had been aware of that before because I've had friends and other family members that had passed away, but that really hit me. I have children that are getting older. I spend a lot of time as a corporate exec on planes, trains, automobiles. Uh, one of the things I talk about all the time is that, you know, I missed my oldest son's third birthday. And when I missed my son's third birthday, that was the catalyst that got me started to actually realize that I didn't want to depend 100% on the job that I was working in because I allowed it to take me away from my son's birthday. But it gave me the impetus to go out and say, look, I've got to get control over my life. I don't want to relate everything to the stock market. I need something that I can control. That was kind of like the thing that that set a fire under me with my son and that missing his birthday. And then if I look to just coming back and reiterating what I said to you earlier, Terry, for your question was, it took me seeing the difficult situation with my dad to realize like, you know what, I want to make the most of life. I've been doing a lot of work for a long time. And this is a particular asset that I enjoy. It's surrounded by a lot of really great people. And that is really what made me leave a really high paid role, one that I was enjoying, but one that wasn't really filling my heart up if I had to be very, very open and honest with everybody. You mentioned like you were able to actually retire a couple months ago. Obviously, you started investing in real estate like long before that. And I was hoping like maybe you could walk us through yeah. a little bit of the overlap time when you started investing in real estate, you still had your corporate job, and then finally like making the jump and going on your own. Axel, I love that you asked that question because I think a lot of times people can say, hey, listen, it was an overnight success. Well, my story was definitely not an overnight success. Like, it took nine years for me. Maybe some people will do less. Some people will take longer. But it took me nine years like I said, the catalyst was missing my son's third birthday. And that got me started. It got me going beyond the theory because I kind of dabbled in Rich Dad Poor Dad a little bit. I read it. I put it down. I picked it up. Then I started listening to podcasts. I started watching videos and things like that. But I was still kind of in that rhythm of the rat race, right? Just going around and around and around. That happened with my son. And then from that point, I remember writing my goals down. When I got back from that trip, I sat down. And I said, look, what am I going to do? And I wrote down in this book that I still have it somewhere around here, but I won't stop to look for it now. Um, and, and, and in that book, I literally wrote down my goals. It was to have 10 doors, uh, be able to generate $5,000 of income on a monthly basis to be able to you know, do different things. And so from there, I really started taking action. And it took me six months to buy my very first property. I went through this thing that I wanted to buy it here. The books that I was reading, and at the time, once again, I didn't have the education, I didn't have the network, but I wanted to take action. So I got frustrated really quickly. And I was like, look, I can't find this. This is all negative cash flow. And I didn't have a network. I didn't have anybody that I could look and, and reach and, and actually find where the real 
real deals are because there are real deals in every single market. Like there are, you just have to have the network and the education. Once I finally met people that were lenders back in the US in the place that I made the decision to purchase and I didn't have any sophistication once again, no education at the time, no network. I just knew that I had money in the bank. I had to have more control over the financial outcomes of my life. And if everything like went pear-shaped or everything just went really, really bad, I knew that I could call family members and they could drive a bit to get to the properties to really bail me out. If everything just went really, really bad. That was the criteria that I made to purchase the property, which is not what I would recommend to anybody to do, <laughs> but at least but at least it got me started, right? And then from there, I, I was able to find the person to help me with the lending. From there, they introduced me to someone who was a general contractor. The general contractor introduced me to the broker who introduced me to the realtor. And then we really got started. I was checking the Zillow and Trulia and the MLS and you know a lot of the US-based stuff to find the specific properties and then I bought a property. It was a duplex. I learned a lot of lessons because I just, like I said, I didn't have the education and I didn't have the practical knowledge, but that was the very first property that I bought. And that was eight months after the incident that happened with my youngest son. So hopefully that answers the question. So you started with this duplex and then obviously the learning curve, as you said, it was must have been quite steep and we realize all the mistakes that we make. But the good thing about the first deal is that hopefully it doesn't make us rich. It doesn't make us poor. It only gets us hooked. What were the steps after that to allow you to scale and get to where you're now? The thing is, I had such a positive experience, actually, Axel. Yeah, it didn't make me wealthy. It was making me richer. And so that is the thing that got me hooked because although I was making a lot of mistakes, I enjoyed being able to solve the problems something super tactical. When I bought the property, we were there, you know, I put 20 grand into it to get it nice and fixed up and things like that. But I was living in Barcelona and when our residents moved in, when things were broken, there was no process in place for that. They couldn't call me in Spain. I didn't have a property manager. I wasn't thinking about those things. And so what I really realized is, hang on a second, I want to provide a great service. So we had to get a way for our residents, our tenants to call us and so we got an answering service and the answering service then dispatched phone calls as well as text to me. And then I finally got someone who was acting as the on-site property manager that was helping him able to be reactive. So a lot of times you don't think about things when you start from a place of not having education, you have a lot of desire and you get started, but you didn't really think about things. You didn't get the network in place, but I got started. And so that was like a very tactical thing that I realized, not just buying the property, you have to provide the service because I wanted our properties to be the types of properties that people wanted to be on a waiting list to get into. And because of that experience and the learning and being able to fix things, and then the part that I mentioned to you before, it was definitely a positive experience because that particular duplex for me back in 2013, when everything was said and done, it was cash flowing, meaning the revenue minus the expenses, minus the debt service of $2,000 a month. Wow! And so for me, that was like, hang on a second. The books that I was reading said that it was only going to be 10% of that. This is amazing. It just kept going on and on. And so then it only took me four months to buy my next property. Nice. Right. Because I was like, how do I make this happen faster? Yeah. And then it took another probably nine or 10 months to get the next property. And so, but before I knew it, the problem that I was having is I was long distance. There were more things happening. The multiplication effect was starting to happen, not just on the income side, but also on the requests that were coming from the residents. And I didn't have the systems in place. So I kind of had to stop because there was too much cash coming in. There were too many different activities that I wasn't prepared for. I was still working a day job. I was a young father and I just had to stop. And then I, I went out and got some mentoring and helped me to really put things in a different perspective and put some systems and processes in place. And that first really positive experience allowed me to want to go out and continue to do more. Cool. So like myself included, I think a lot of people here are thinking more and more about investing in other markets, right? Like we mm -hmm. live 
Canada is like super urban, like our three major markets, so Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal are just becoming very overpriced and it's very difficult to do cash flowing projects here. So a lot of people are looking either smaller towns or else maybe even overseas. And so like, what advice would you have for somebody who's looking to say, no, like I'm not thrilled with my home market anymore. I want to start developing something else, but I don't know how to do that. How do you put that together? How do you start and how do you make it successful? So one of the things I would say is because the person who's hearing this question is also listening and watching the two of you, I would recommend highly that you continue to come back and listen and watch what uh, Axel and Terry and their guests are talking about, because that's going to give you the first foundation, right? Because you are bringing valuable insight and content from others. And so in because you've already taken the action, you're here, continue to do that. And then as you continue to listen and you take in new ideas, the first thing I think everyone needs to do is formulate what is the benefit that you're looking for? There are people that are looking for cash flow. There are people that are looking for overall amortization over their equity, or there are people that are looking for uh, depreciation because they have tax issues. Maybe if you're looking at a different market, you may not get those kinds of things. But most importantly is, why do you want those benefits? Do you want more time with your family? Do you want to be able to take a trip around the world and that's going to pay for it in two years or three years or the next year? Get super clear on the things that you're looking for and why you're looking for them, I think is the most critical thing. And then once you're there, don't be like I was, someone who was not educated. You're obviously not because you're already watching and you're listening here and doesn't have a network. You have an amazing opportunity to continue to network reach out to Terry, reach out to Axel. They have an amazing network. And so you're already further ahead than I was. But once you're clear on what it is that you want to do, why you want to do it, or the benefits that you're looking for and why you want those benefits, when you find the type of location, you go to the location that allows you to do that, then you start to build the team. It's no different than if you want to build the team in Quebec. You go to a particular location, you build the team. And as long as the team, and I mean the A players in the in the market, if you need to start with the brokerage firm that is in the real estate brokerage, then you start there, who you've probably already met through Terry and Axel, which is fantastic. So you know you're already on the right track. You want to make sure that you have the right legal representation. You want to make sure that you have the right insurance people. Build out the team and let the person understand that you're serious about being in the location, that you're there to build relationships, you're there to make purchases, and you're in it for the long game. And then after that, as long as you're clear on what benefit you want and why you want it. You're in the location that's going to give you the best probability of getting that benefit. You've started to build the team. Then the actual opportunity or the deal, it doesn't even matter because the other three steps are already in line with one another. So you're giving yourself the highest probability of success, whether you're in your home market or you're in another market. It's the exact same process every single time, especially when you're going long distance. And this is something I know a lot about living in Barcelona, investing exclusively 10,000 kilometers away, right? Five, um, five, five, six. <laughs> okay, five, okay, five, six. Well, you know, I've been living in Spain for a while. I've been in Spain for a while. It's still a while. It's still a while, right? So the idea is the process is the same get clear on why, get to the location, highest probability, build your team. And then from there, make sure that the opportunity that you're going to bring or the asset, that's just kind of a byproduct of getting the other three things in line. But I think so, I include myself in this as well. Like I think one of the concerns people have is that by being far away, like yes, you know, creating that network, especially if, you know, you, you've already gone through the process, let's say, in Montreal, then, you know, if you want to, your local market, then you want to like, think about how to do that somewhere else. So you can sort of cookie cutter that. But the real issue, yep. at least for, you know, me and maybe people who want to have a bit more control is I can't just drive by the property. Like, how do I know my manager is doing a good job? How do I know it's not a disaster? How do you maintain contact with what your investment is doing? Because I think that can be really scary, like to just not know, like in a close way, what's going on with your money. I think a lot of this comes back to self-awareness as well. 
right? It, because I don't proclaim that long distance investing is for everybody. There are some people that absolutely need to drive by a property every single day, see it, touch it, feel it. And if you need to do that physically, maybe this is not the right strategy for you to take. At the same time, you need to recognize if you're not willing to understand what to do, then you stay where you are. That just kind of number one, it may, it may not necessarily be for you. In the event that it is, we have never lived in a better time, Terry, than now. Because even if you like a lot of control, and I love control, like anybody that's worked with me in corporate, ask anybody that, that knows me, I, I enjoy control, right? And so you people would be like, like billion. It doesn't resonate with you all, right? Yeah. At the same time, it, it's like when you build a team, am I building a team that's going to be exactly like me or probably not? The people that try to do that, it's very, very challenging. You want to make sure that you have the right team members that are going to complement you, that are going to help you to get to the strategy that you're looking for. And as it relates to remote investing or long distance investing, actually, before I say that, there's a, there is something that's really, really important. Depending on the level of commitment that you want to make to a certain location, you need to not just talk the talk, but you have to walk the walk. So if you say that you just want to buy one property that is in another location, well, maybe you don't need to go and see it every single day. There are lots of different technologies that can help you walk the street. Then when you have a property manager, you let them know that, hey, listen, once a quarter, I want to get a picture taken or I want somebody to go by the place with their FaceTime. And I mean, technology makes things so super easy nowadays that you can actually do that without being there. But what I'm saying is if you want to go beyond that, like you're going to start having a conversation. You're probably going to have a couple emails, maybe get on the phone, maybe have a Zoom call. But when the commitment that you have to truly build relationships and make purchases is enough, I would say, because I've done it, I left Barcelona. I flew back to where my properties are to meet the property managers, to meet that A team that I was talking to you, because I want them to know that I'm committed to building the relationship and going deeper in the market, in the specific location. And I think you have to put your money where your mouth is. If you're not committed to that, then that's okay. But you can't expect to have a, a, a kind of a higher control relationship if you're not willing to be committed to doing what it takes to build a long distance relationship. And like I said, if I want, I can get videos that are time stamped. I can get somebody to actually go and walk around the property through a Zoom call. They can do it a FaceTime if I want to see what's happening in one of my mobile home parks. Technology allows us to do things that we could have not ever, ever done even 20 years ago, Terry. So it's about how committed are you to building the relationships, to making the purchases in the specific location, and then being able to be consistent. And then also, if it's not the right thing for you, long distance, because you absolutely need to go see that property every day, that's what you need to do. Because I do like control so much, and it goes back to Excel, what you said earlier, if I would have purchased my first duplex, just knowing myself, I'm sure that I would have been at that property, not once a day, but probably three or four times a day, checking every single thing all the time. And I would have focused on the property. Being such a long distance investor, what that has made me do is focus on the process. And at the end of the day, what my residents care about, what our residents care about is, first of all, have we prevented things from happening? And when it happens, are the processes in place to actually get it done efficiently? And if I would have been focused on the property, I don't necessarily know if I personally would have been focused on the process. It's just another perspective to think about because it's, it's not something that I originally thought about, but I believe that it's something that's been a benefit to the residents that are now in the properties that we own. There's so much good insight into what you just shared. And to kind of go back in hearing you say that, it actually made me think of, in a way, my situation where I like sometimes to drive by and see it and see if everything's okay. And I so relate to what you said in terms of investing in your local market is good because you can go by, but it doesn't force you enough 
to focus on the processes and fully del. When I say delegated, obviously you're still involved, but you have yeah. someone else looking after the details. Tenants have someone else to call and stuff like that. And it's just much easier to just center it all around you. But in a way, it's the worst thing to do, both for your tenants, for yourself, and overall for your business. And what you just said, it makes me realize I want to focus more on like setting it all up as if I'm investing at a distance, even though I'm still in the city, because I fully systematized and put processes in place. And I think so many people listening are still in that mindset of like, oh, no, I got to stick to the local market and invest within a 30 kilometer radius because it's actually in a way easier in the short run to not focus on finding a good property manager, having a contractor, having a janitor on site and all those processes and other players that need to come into the team to make it happen, to allow you to focus on finding deals, packaging and closing, which allows you to scale. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think a lot of people can actually benefit from what you just shared with us. Yeah. And then like the analogy of a long distance relationship, like, you know, you, you know, when I hear that, I already think like a long distance personal relationship, but like for sure, if like, I don't know if you've ever done long distance, but like if one tries to do that for an amount of time, you do need systems in place to maintain like some kind of contact with the person. And like, it's a very good analogy just to to think, okay, well, I'm having a long distance relationship with my properties and therefore I need to set up a a situation that's going to make that work longer term. Definitely. Actually, my wife is from Spain from here and we met in France. And so we both were in uh, Montpellier in the south of France. And she came back here to Barcelona. And for two years, we were long distance relationship. But what we put in place was every weekend, either she went up to Montpellier or I came down to Barcelona. But that what that allowed us to do was continue to deepen the relationship. Eventually, I moved here to Barcelona. We got married, kids and all that kind of stuff. And so it really is no different when you're committed to something. And maybe you're not traveling every single week. But at some point in time, I believe that you have to demonstrate that you're very serious about this specific specific location. And one of the things actually that I would also say is by being able to focus on the process, just to build on what you said, one other thing is it's also helped me to be a much better passive investor because now I don't want to always actively manage particular property. I have active in my portfolio and I also enjoy being a passive investor. And when I understand what the certain processes are, when I'm asking the person who's syndicating the deal, it makes me much more informed because not only do I have the, I can go over and see what the property is and see what things are there because there is lots of important value there. But if you also understand the different processes that support what should happen in the service that you're providing, it makes you a much better passive investor. And when you can start to scale, especially for someone that was like me as a W-2 employee, someone who was working every day, all day, what set my path to be able to walk away or to be able to be free from the corporate was the fact that I had multiple, multiple, multiple properties working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I didn't just have the two properties that were on the corner of the street that I could go see five times a day. So I think you're also kind of alluding to maybe a like a larger portfolio or maybe different investment opportunities. You know, we chatted a bit about that off camera before we started talking. Can you tell us a little bit about what your portfolio looks like and like tell us how you kind of branched out from those initial properties, you know, that sound pretty manageable? Initially, when I got started and being here from Barcelona, working a really demanding corporate job, my initial goal was five years and I wanted to have 10 doors. That took 18 months working a full-time job. 
because I was committed to actually making that happen. It hurt me a lot when I missed my son's birthday. And that was like the catalyst to say, I need to be able to not depend 100% on this job. And so when that happened, and then there was this influx of, of what was happening with the cash, lots of activity needed to take a break. Then from there, I had a coach and they helped me. And I then went out and purchased a mobile home park in a completely different location. But this time I had a clear process in place. At that point in time, there's the mobile home park plus the other doors, which I think it was somewhere in the area of 30 or something like that. But then I found out that I could actually just place capital with other people. I was like, oh my gosh, I could place two, $300,000 with somebody and they'll do the work. Okay, hang on a second. I'm going to do that, right? Because it took a lot of work on the other side. I wasn't doing the same amount of work. So the reward wasn't the same, but I also wanted to understand what this new world was because I understood that I was someone who they talk about in the US as an accredited investor. And I was gaining access to types of opportunities that I hadn't been aware of before. So once I started doing that, I invested in other larger multifamily deals, like 200 plus units. I wanted to create more consistent cash flow, and there was an opportunity to invest in ATM machines. So I did that. And then what was happening as a high wage earner in the US, I also was having a very large active income or my W-2, my earned income that the tax obligation was very high. And so I needed to find a solution to help me just mitigate some of the tax obligation and being able to do that. I started then investing in the energy sector. I've invested in all these different things, but I've also now been exposed to and have business opportunity to buy into businesses. And I love the question that you just asked, Terry, because what real estate did for me as someone who is this busy professional, only thinking about the key performance indicators or KPIs or the MBOs that we had at my job, I was realizing like, I need to also not just think about this stuff, like real estate, this works, this model works. And then I understood that the model worked for other types of investments, the ATMs. And I was becoming a better passive investor because I had active investments in my portfolio. Portfolio, I was solving problems each and every time. And so what I thought initially was real estate has now opened my eyes to so many different investment opportunities and different assets, different businesses. And it's just been a phenomenal thing. Now, you know, working and helping other people do the exact same thing. You know, I'm so glad that I had that opportunity at least to, to get started in the with the duplexes because I would probably still just be in my sales role doing the same old thing, selling the same old stuff. But fortunately, made some different decisions. And maybe right now you'd still be looking for your last two doors to be able to reach your goal of 10 <laughs> units. Right. Yeah, probably. It's probably yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? I've invested in a couple of hotels, which were development projects, which are also very interesting. And so as you're investing also passively, if there are things that are interesting to you, when you have the education, number one, and you have the access through the network, it opens up so many other opportunities to you. So hundreds of different types of doors uh, that I've invested passively. In, and then now I'm actively out syndicating things like energy equipment, which helps high wage earners like myself. So it got me started. And now there's so many different options and opportunities to get me and my family to the destination that we want to get to. You're such a good testament of what it takes to be able to transition from the corporate world to making it on your own. And you've really shared well your experience in that, in doing that. So thank you so much today for participating and for being with us on this show. I would just say one thing, Axel. It's really the beauty of what is now happening, right? Because I was a high paid executive and, and sales executive. And a lot of times you do feel like you're on your own. The beauty of what we're doing now is that I don't feel like I'm on my own because the beauty is that we win together as a team. 
none of us win alone in this game. That's the beauty of it. You may have your ideas, but you always want to talk to somebody who's already been the places that you've been. And so just by getting those interactions, you're not by yourself because you're here and you're watching and you're listening to the podcast. You know that you're not by yourself. You know, all you need to do is click a button and you can speak to Axel or you can speak to Terry and you've got somebody that's going to help you along that path. And that's one of the things that I really, really love about this space right now is that I don't ever feel alone because I know that there are other people that are there that have been and already done the things that I want to do because now I continue to want to grow, et cetera. And there's always someone that's ahead of us. So when you said that, I was like, but I don't feel alone, man. I never <laughs> feel alone here. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a good point. Billy, where uh, can people get in touch with you? Where can they learn more about what you do? The best place to go find out more about what we're doing is firstgencp.com. When you go to firstgencp.com, we're super excited about it. Like the website just went live recently. It talks about a lot of what we're doing, helping credit investors and also opportunities to read about the things that we're talking about and thinking about. That's one way. That's probably the best way. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I really like LinkedIn a lot. I think I'm the only Billy Keels in Barcelona, Spain, so I should be pretty easy <laughs> to find. So I think those are the two best ways to connect with me. When you reach out on LinkedIn, just make sure that you reference the fact that you heard me and Terry and Axel speaking with one another. It just makes the conversation that much easier. All right. Well, Billy, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.